0: Christ Forming the Church is Dr. Joel Hunter's series, and he continues with his fourth message, Converting. From the New American Standard, Dr. Hunter's text is taken from Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 41, and it reads as follows. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, For the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. And with many other words he solemnly testified, and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about three thousand souls. And now, Let's join Dr. Joel Hunter for his fourth message entitled "Converting," as he continues his series, "Christ Forming the Church."
1: Well, if you would turn to the second chapter of Acts, uh, be sure and tape this one. I'm going to go just a little bit different direction this time. It's always fun to kind of get a sense of what the Holy Spirit has different. God has said something different for every service, and. Uh, um, so it's it's always great to continue to listen to him. We are talking about the Holy Spirit given to us, not only why he's given, and when he's given, and how he's given, but what happens after he's given. Now, if you will, just read this short passage with me, starting with verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Peter had just preached his first sermon to uh, the church. And he didn't give an altar call. He just said, uh, know this, that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And immediately, people felt conviction of the Holy Spirit. Look what happened. They were pierced to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent. And let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children. Remember that phrase. The promise is for you and your children. And for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. And with many other words he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received His Word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So what happens in connection with this Holy Spirit? What happens? By the way, those of you who, uh, did, um, change your life last week, we had so many people who gave their lives to Christ, and, um, we were not prepared. Uh, we never know what God's going to do. And and uh, so those of you who did commit your lives to Christ last week and are looking for some follow-up instruction or literature or what comes next, you know, what are the first steps of growth and so on and so forth, Pastor uh, Kevin Uritsko is going to be in the prayer room afterwards. He'll be glad to help you out, give you some, you know, starting hints and some material and so on and so forth, and uh, he will be glad to help you out. Um, it's uh, it is so great to see what God does uh, and when when He decides to do it. Many of you committed your lives to evangelism last week, and we're going to talk about the first step of evangelism this week. But even when there's not an, uh, an altar call, and of course we don't have an altar call every week here, um, uh, or even when there's not an invitation, we don't even have an invitation every week, although almost every week. But last night I was reading this this passage, and just the only the only time of the whole night i even mentioned the word repent it's in this passage and i said and he said brethren what shall we do and, and peter said repent and after the service i go out and there's this guy standing in the hall he said you remember when you said repent i said i was trying to think back i said well yes yeah, in the scripture he goes god said that word to me out of all the people in this church, God said that word to me, and so that's what He wants me to do right now, and, and that's what I'm going to do. And so it just... God calls people to Himself. and He doesn't need very much from us. Just anything from us is enough for God. And it's, and it's just fun to watch Him work. Well, let's talk about the Holy Spirit for a while. Because many people have such a misinterpretation of how the Holy Spirit works and and why the Holy Spirit was given. Um. Larry Crabb uh, says that from listening to many TV preachers, uh, he gets this picture that the Holy Spirit is given as kind of a, an avenue to the shopping mall of heaven. And, and, and everyone is given a credit card of faith, and you can have practically anything for your life that you want. Well, there is an individual benefit Of course there is, because God wants us to be healthy. He wants us to be fulfilled. He wants us to be purposeful. But to get the idea that the Holy Spirit is just for us as individuals is very immature and very ridiculous. You know why? Because to paraphrase the words of Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's no one... Do you understand that to receive all of the resources and power and guidance and anointing that heaven has. When you accept Jesus Christ in your life, you have given been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And to receive that and to think that you can even partially use all of those resources just for your own life is ridiculous. I don't know how many of you used to watch I Love Lucy uh, movies, but uh, I used to love to watch... Uh, her get herself into these fixes then try to get herself out. And uh and I saw one of those clips not too long ago when they were trying to sell some of her old videos and and uh, th- there's a clip of her standing uh working a conveyor belt thing with candy. Did you see that? And here she is, you know, she's gotten a job and and it's the old bit where where you're 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 doing fine for a while and then something happens and the conveyor belt speeds up. And so she's got all this candy flying by, and she's still, t- for, for a while, she's trying to do her job, and then she decides she can't do it, so every second when she's stuffing in her mouth, you know, and then she's got too many in her mouth, you know, and then she's stuffing them down, her, you know, and in her pockets, and and, and there's no way, she can, and they're flying all over the place, eventually. Well, this is a rather irreverent analogy, but let me just say to you that... If it's that way, on a conveyor belt of candy, what do you think it's like having all of the resources of heaven poured into your life? It's like taking a drink from a fire hose. I mean, you can't possibly handle all that God has for you. And therefore, what are we to presume? We are to presume that only a fraction of what God has for us do we really need for our own lives the rest of it is overflow. The rest of it must go into other people's lives. That's why we have a mandate for evangelism. It's not just so that we can populate heaven. I've already told you, God needs very little, very little to call somebody to heaven. As a matter of fact, if God's got a hold of your life, there's nothing you're going to do to escape Him. I mean, you, you better you better just give up now, or you're going to be miserable for the coming years because there's no way you can outrun God. God's arms are not too short, the Bible says. <laughs> are my arms too short? And the answer is no. So, so, it's not that He depends on us to populate heaven. He uses us to populate heaven. You know, and that's a wonderful privilege. But why in the world would He give us the Holy Spirit? He gives us the Holy Spirit to give to others. And by giving it to others, by transferring what He's given, sharing, showing, Exemplifying what He's given us in our lives, we grow. We grow. Because there's no way you can get to maturity in Christ alone. And I'll tell you about that in just a little bit, but I, I do want to, to just give you the first step, the first field of evangelism that God has for us in His Word. I want you to look at that verse, 39, that immediately comes upon the promise of the Holy Spirit. And look at what Peter connects that promise to. It's not to individuals only. It is to the community of faith and their children. Look at what it says. For the promise is for you and your children. Now, I meant at the beginning of this to really preach evenly through this scripture. And that's why your outlines are as they are. But I want to warn you ahead of time, they are only of limited value. Because as I as I prayed about this, the Holy Spirit just fixed me on that word children. I mean, he just, he wouldn't let me get off of it. And so, I'm not going to let you get off of it. This is what God is trying to communicate in this verse. And I'll preach the rest of it later on. Bottom line, God is saying that if... The believing community. And when he says your children, he's not just talking to the biological parents of children. That certainly is a primary part of the believing community's responsibility. You parents have no excuse for not giving your faith to your own biological children. That is part of your job as a Christian. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to... Feel like you don't have the authority. Of course you do. One of the things that that my family always does for me is kind of fill in the gaps where I've left things out of the sermon. And Isaac told me before and he said, said, listen, you just left two things out. It's a good sermon, but left two things out. (laughs) He said, don't let parents off the hook as far as being their kid's friend instead of their kid's authority, their spiritual authority. Kids need a spiritual authority. They need a spiritual mentor. And therefore, yes, if you have biological children in the home right now, or adopted children in the home, whatever you have in your own household, physical household right now, yes, that is your responsibility. That is your field of evangelism. But this is for more than just parents who have children in the house right now. This is for the community of faith. Because, see, you see, in the community of faith, our children are really our children. They are not just the responsibility. The Bible does not isolate a, a nuc. is it nuclear or nuclear? What is it? Which, which one is it? Nuclear? No one, no, none of you know, so it doesn't matter. They don't, they don't isolate just a mom and dad and kids. Alright? They always speak of the community faith as related together as a family. So therefore, it's not the total responsibility of that mom and dad and kids, or the mom and kids, or the dad and kids, or whatever your arrangement is. It's not just the responsibility. That, those people are not isolated. And what the scripture is saying is that the promise is to you and your children. You know what the scripture has in mind? The scripture has in mind the long history of the community of faith and our responsibility to make sure that we have transferred the faith to our children as a community. From the very beginning of time there has been a war from Satan on our children. That can be read in Genesis 3:15. God predicts to the serpent, who's a representative of Satan, and I will put enmity between your seed and the seed of the woman. Enmity is a literally in Hebrew it's a blood feud. It's something that comes not by behavior, but through the blood, and it's something that can only be fixed by the blood. And so, therefore, there is this war going on between Satan and our children. And it carries all the way through the book. You can read it in in Revelation 12, uh, where it talks about the dragon who is there when the woman has her child in order to devour her child. All through the book, there is war on our children. All through the book, there is a, a, a... a desire to separate the generations. All through the book, there is a there is a passing on of sin. The, the sins of the father are visited on the children under the third and fourth generation. There is a linkage of sin, but there's also Satan trying to separate the parents from the children and the community, the, 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 the religious, um, um, or I hate that word religious, the, the spiritual authority from the, from the um, uh, children who will be the beneficiaries of that of that spiritual teaching. As a matter of fact, that's why a good part of the things go wrong in the land that go wrong. You know, look at the look at the last verse in the Old Testament, very last verse, and it says exactly this. I will I will read this to you. This is Malachi chapter four, verses. I'll read five and six. This is the Lord talking. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Now this is, Elijah has a role in in, uh, uh, the Old Testament. And one of his roles is to come before the Lord comes in person and to do something in way of preparation. And look what he's doing in way of preparation. And he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. You see the result of the separation of the generations? There is a curse on the land. As a matter of fact, the prediction of John the Baptist to fulfill this role of Elijah was made in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, where it says, And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn back the hearts of the fathers to the children. So therefore, God has it in his plan to link together the generations for spiritual succession so that there is a great deal of spiritual authority and power in the land. And that's how the land gets blessed. Well, one of the reasons that our nation is in such sad shape is because the parents have retired from parenting. And what we have done instead is to give this poor substitute of rights to our children. As a matter of fact, right now, uh, in, in, before the Senate, 50 senators have signed this Senate Resolution Number 70 to send on to the United Nations that deals with children's rights. Now, please hear me. I want children to have all that they can have. But having all that they can have means not pretending that they have something they don't have. Listen to the trick of this. If we say to children, oh, you've got the right to access to any kind of material you want, and you can say anything you want, and so on and so forth, what we've done as a nation is we have... We have given ourselves the illusion that we have empowered our children. What we've really done is let our children alone to raise themselves. We have just abdicated the responsibility of pouring our lives into our children. Why? Because now we can say, oh, they have legal rights. If something goes wrong with... In their life, they they have the same rights that all of us do, and therefore, I don't need to protect them anymore. I don't need to teach them anymore. The government will take care of them. And so what we have done is we have absolutely left them on their own. There is an Old Testament verse, Proverbs 29, verse 15, and this is what it says. The rod and reproof give wisdom. In other words, when you're giving attention to your child, when you are correcting them, when you're pouring your life into them, that gives them wisdom. But, it says, a child who gets his own way, and the Hebrew is literally a child who is left to himself, brings shame to his mother. And that's exactly what we're doing. When we say, you know what, I'm not sure I want to take authority and raise my kid. I'm not sure I want to... You know, I I hate conflict and and I've got my own life. and, And maybe if I live my own life and they can see the example of my own life, I won't have to face what they're going through. I'll just give them rights. What we've just done is left them orphans. And so, church, I'm calling on all of us to take back that responsibility. To understand that it is our job to train our kids. And to train them not just as individual families, but as a church. To pour our lives into them. You know, it's so curious to me. That one of the lowest jobs on the totem pole, apparently, around the church is Sunday school teacher. That boggles my mind. That is the place of the most power in this church. You understand that? A Sunday school teacher has access to a kid's life at his most formative, impressionable stage. By the time you get to me, it's usually too late. <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know, do the fine-tuning here. But but a kid, you know, why in the world would people not want to take at least a turn? Why wouldn't we have people standing in line wanting to help out with the kids? Why would we not have people standing in line wanting to do nursery duty? Hold those babies in your arms and pray for them? While they're sleeping, oh, man, what a ministry. Or, or, or teach these kids, you know what, if you haven't got any kids yet, but you plan on having some day, some someday, why wouldn't you want to practice on somebody else's kids before you got some of your own? <laughs> You're going to transfer faith all of a sudden on your... Man, I'd practice if I were you. If, if, if you already have kids and you say, oh, man, church is my one place to get away from kids, what does that say to your kids? Oh, man, what a message that is. And wouldn't it be good to, to gather a group of kids so that you could get some perspective? You know, every once in a while, you know? Or if you've already raised your kids, why not go back and do things right that you did wrong <laughs> with your own kids? Go, you know, cor- kind of correct some of your mistakes for the world. I I don't know why it is that that we, don't, we aren't standing in line to take care of these kids. That's part of the great privilege of transferring The faith. That that, of overflowing the Holy Spirit into the lives of our children. And I say our children because they are our children, all of our children. That's why God's put them in this body so that we could, we could be something to them. Elton Trueblood once called this the cut flower generation. He said, you know, we're pretty for a while, but we haven't got any roots. You know, we die before our time. You know why that is? Because we have become separated from the children. We have become separated from the very ones who could teach us the simplicity of faith. Remember what Jesus did? He called out a kid. And he said, unless you become like one of these, you won't enter the kingdom of God. You know, in our world of adult rationale, we we lose sight of what simple trust is. He said also, he called another one out another time and he said, You know what? If any of you receive one of these, you haven't just received him, you've received me. And if you receive me, you haven't just received me, but him who sent me. It is so very important for us to understand what it is to share our lives into the lives of these kids. We learn so much. They gain so much. Let me ask you a question. How did you ever come to the place where you could believe that the maker of this universe, the creator of everything there is, not only knows who you are, but has a plan for your life, not only has a plan for your life, but also somewhere along the line decided you were worth dying for? and gave up his own life on the cross so that you could spend eternity in heaven, giving you something you could never get for yourself. Do you know how you came to believe in that? Because somewhere, someone with authority was in your life loving you like that. There is an adult in your background, may not be a blood relative. For many of you, it's not a blood relative. But there was someone of significance in your eyes that paid attention to you, that listened to you, that loved you, that gave up their life for you so that when you heard about the God of the universe doing that, that wasn't any great surprise. You'd seen that done in a human being's life. Who are you doing that for? Who are you making the way so that someone else can understand that it's not too astounding that God, would love them so much. Oh, it's absolutely mind-boggling, but it's not beyond belief because they've seen it in another human being. You know what sold this church on my oldest son? I'm sorry, sold my oldest son on this church when ten years ago, I don't know, nine years ago. When we came down here, just it was nine years ago this month. This kid was ten years old, and this was not easy. I mean, a lot of friends in Indiana. We were very you know I had a good life in Indiana and so on and so forth and and God was calling us to this church and we had come from a huge church you know and this this was a this was a very small church at that time it was in disrepair and so on and so forth and we were thinking this is a great stretch for these kids i mean this is this is some you know they're coming in they don't know anybody you know that's a that's a big stretch now we weren't too awful concerned about the younger ones you know because they were very flexible and adjustable they've always been but Josh has always been very set in his ways and very analytical and you know didn't, didn't like to try new things and so on and so forth so we were sweating it with Josh we came into this church a couple hundred people and after we got out of church we got in the car and then here comes the big question for the parents we said well boys how did you like it and and we remember Josh saying I love it And we were thinking, wow, now this is something. And and so we followed up and said, Josh, why did you like it? He said, I can tell you exactly why I liked it. Because the adults in that church talked to me like I mattered. The adults asked me questions and listened while I answered. That is everything to a kid. And it's everything to an adult who is doing it. That's what matures us in our faith. Having that heart for the child like Jesus had. Having that mentality. And so here we are. And we've got all of these kids. What are we doing to make sure we're connected to our to the roots? What are we doing to make sure they're growing into everything? That's, that's what we need to ask ourselves. And so... Let me go just a little bit further in this scripture. Let's take it to the next step. Verse 40. I'll be done in a minute. Well, maybe five. Well, maybe ten. I don't know. (laughs) Verse 40. After he had said, The promise is for you and your children. and And I'll preach the rest of that verse some other time. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Now you say, okay Hunter, I want to have a heart for the kids. How can I in a very practical way with the kids that I have in my life or that I'm going to get in my life because I, I have access to some friends kids or I've got I've got access at least to encourage some people who are also, who are parenting kids right now and they're worn out and they're weary and 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 but how you know what realistic way can I if I if I if God gives me access to kids, can I, prepare to transfer to them the faith so to speak well it says right here number 1 you keep on exhorting now exhortation in greek is is uh, parakaleo and it means para means beside and kaleo means to call and literally you have a person who is standing beside someone else calling out what's in them you know that's that's what being an encourager is you see something in somebody and you keep calling for it, you know? You know what? It's no great shakes just being a father or mother. I mean, there's there's no prize in that. I, I On Mother's Day, I proceeded out those doors and some mother nailed me because we we had forgotten to mention in that service that it was Mother's Day. And boy, she was gunning for me. Man, I was dead meat when I got out that door. Well... I didn't want to argue with her because unless you're an idiot, you just don't don't argue with somebody who's angry. You know, you just let them talk and you say okay and you make whatever corrections you can and so on and so forth. But but let me just argue with you. Delayed reaction. Her argument was there's virtue in being a mother. I don't think so. In the first place, Mother's Day is an American invention. 1914 was the first one. And I think it was probably invented by someone from the Hallmark Company, as most of the other holidays are but, but you know as well as I do that just having kids doesn't make you a mother and just having kids doesn't make you a father any more than having a piano makes you a musician it doesn't work that way there are virtuous mothers who deserve honor there are virtuous fathers who deserve honor but just having the title doesn't mean anything just having the title of church doesn't mean anything it doesn't mean anything what matters is you're standing there calling out of them what God's put into them and encouraging them. And how should we call? Well, the words of the book are, we should appeal to their reason and say, be saved, or escape, is literally the Greek, from this perverse generation. You know, the, the word perverse in Greek is uh, uh, skalios. Uh, we get the word scoliosis from it. it's crooked. perverse means um, it wanders it doesn't go straight where it ought to go uh, the, the, in some of your versions the word is untoward. I like that it, it just it doesn't have a point. It just wanders around any place it feels like what a perfect description of this world. There is no point to life out there. I don't care how many thrills and chills you treat yourself to out out there there is no point and our kids can see that one of the main uh, lines of conversation that we've had with our kids is it's a stupid way to live and when they did things that transgressed our boundaries and they we we you know of course followed up with punishment we just said you know we hate to do this but this is a stupid way to live here that's a dumb way to live I, I wouldn't do that if I were you It's just a dumb way to live and one of the things we can do for our kids in here is to is to is to let them know what they already know. There is no progress out there. The world, in very literal terms, is pond scum. And I, and I say that... No, 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 no. Listen to me. I, I say that from a, a, a paleobiological point of view. Let me explain to you. Let me explain to you. I, I, I get all kinds of magazines. I love to read all kinds of magazines. And in, in, uh, a couple of months ago in Science News... There was this article about pond scum and about how pond scum had confounded the evolutionists and and those who uh, there's there's two groups of, of evolutionists one is the Darwinian evolution evolutionist that says everything that is alive makes progress and 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 there is the uh, uh, um, what is that uh, word uh, equilibria um, um, what is the word uh, 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 it means sudden. It means, uh, 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 starting. Huh? Spontaneous. Hey, Isaac, go ahead and get my, uh, it's on uh, my, uh, uh, notebook. It's on, it's on my, it's on the little refrigerator in the, you know, I, I've got to get this. This will drive me crazy and it'll drive all you crazy if you don't, if you don't get what this word is. But it's, uh, it's a it's on that little refrigerator in the worship room right there. Uh, anyhow, so there's this, there's this, uh, Evolutionary, evolutionist, and then there's this, uh. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Isaac. I know it like I know my own name. Where is it? Punctuated equilibria. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Punctuated. Now that's the other thing. You know, Darwin was an evolutionist, and there are people like Gould who are punctuated equilibria, and it means that of course, the world goes along, stabilized for a while, and then all of a sudden, there's a surprising, you know, jump. You know, it's kind of like a, a Kramer on Seinfeld. You know, who keeps <laughs> he's a, he's kind of an example of punctuated equilibrium. What? Well, the the point of this story is, I, I'll get to it. That as far back as they can calculate, and they can, they think they can calculate like three billion years there's been absolutely no change in pond scum. Pond scum is pond scum. It'll always be pond scum. There's no progress. And so one of the things that we need to help our kids see is that the world is pond scum. There's no change. There's no progress. There's no point. It's just pond scum. Now, one of the things that we need to let them know is that the world and things that are like the world, even the church, remain the same and our ponds come. Now, we don't, we aren't too shocked when we see stupid things in the world and things that are totally immoral and, and trying to pass themselves off as, as, you know, making sense. You know, it's not, it's no shock. It should not be any shock that the number two record on the charts right now is Janet Jackson's Anytime, Anyplace. It's a song about, about, uh, Casual sex in public places, you know? Well, that shocks some people. It doesn't shock me. I mean, the whole world's going to hell. Why not, Why not sing like hell? I mean, that's literally what it is. It's a, it's a, they're singing like hell. That doesn't shock me. It doesn't shock me that the, the latest Cosmopolitan has, a, has an article for, for wives, how you can be happily married and be involved in affairs at the same time, how women have done that successfully, so to speak. You know, that doesn't shock me. That's the world. Palm scum. It doesn't it doesn't even shock me that that churches are becoming so much like the world that you can hardly tell the difference. Churches that that do not receive the Holy Spirit and 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 share the Holy Spirit, you can't tell the difference. You know that there, there's a a, a, a study survey done in, in Northwestern University a couple of months ago that uh, went to the kids in certain mainline churches and the kids in the community trying to figure out the difference between their sexual behavior. They couldn't figure out any difference. There wasn't any difference. How discouraging is that? Well, the church has taken a look and decided to live like there One of the major denominations, I won't tell you which one, just had their annual meeting No, 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 now, lots of churches have. No, 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 you don't know which one. Now stop laughing at that, lots of churches have. It's not what you're thinking. But there was a proposal, listen to this proposal, can you believe this? I feel like Kramer. There, There was a proposal that said, let's make a resolution that we think it's the right thing to do, that if you're a single that you would be abstinent sexually, and if you are married, that we believe fidelity in marriage is the right thing. It failed. They wouldn't pass it. Because there were too many people who thought it was too harsh and judgmental and unfair. Can you imagine it? Pondscombe. It's ponds gone. It shouldn't surprise us. But you know what? There's a whole different life that God wants us to show our kids. And when we can show our kids the absolutes that are in Scripture, and when we can live them out, when they can see a number of us, not just one or two, not just their own biological mom or dad, but when they can see an entire group of people living out the life of Christ, they will see something radically different. That's why, you know, I I am so excited about what's happening at Northland. I'm so excited about the prospect uh, of, of, you know, maybe someday we're going to have a place together where we can just every once in a while get out of the world, get out of its pace, and have this retreat center. We can just go hang around together. And the ministry centers, you know, these one to three hundred groups of northern people scattered all over central Florida that will give themselves, literally give themselves in ministry. Be benefactors instead of just beneficiaries. And that's why you go there. You go there to serve. You don't go there to get. I love that idea. What a great haven from the rampant consumerism of the world. How different will that be for our children to see and for our children to be a part of? I love the groups that are coming together in the church here. I love the I love this idea of this uh, friends of the heart thing. I like that the the women getting together just to befriend one another on a Christian basis. You know, just to have a a godly relationship with another woman. I think that's great. You know, sign up for that if you can. I think that's wonderful. I love what's happening in the men's ministry here. uh, You know, we now have men signing up every worship service to be in the prayer room and pray for the worship services that goes on. I love that idea. That's great. I love the idea of gathering a group of people as we're going to do. And 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 getting them to think okay, how can we supplement and support and encourage all of the forms of uh, that our our kids are all the forms of education that our kids are in right now. How can we help the homeschoolers? The church ought to be able to help them. How can we help the kids in Christian education? Private schools. They ought to be able to help. We ought to be able to help them. How can we help the kids in public schools? How can we find ways to, to build faith, build the faith into those kids? And not put all of the onus on those school systems, but the church take its full responsibility and do it. You know, we're talking about that right now. I love that. Let me tell you why I love it. Now, I'm going to close with this story. And I didn't give the other services this story, but I just I give it to you. Extra. <laughs> Actually, I just ran out of time, and this is the last service, so I can do it now. Because when faith is passed from generation to generation, a mighty work happens in the land. The children of the righteous Are mighty. Those aren't my words. Those are the words of Psalm 112, verse 2. It says this How blessed is the man, this is verse 1, how blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. God wants that. He wants that for our kids. He wants that for our land. Because what will happen if if the Lord tarries, if he doesn't come back real quick, is that there will be a a whole different society within the society. Pond scum will always be pond scum. And, And I don't say that about people. People are valuable. And we need always to respect people. But the mentality of the world will always be pond scum. But we can literally build a group of people who love and depend on one another, and who lead a radically different life. We can, because that's what God has given us to do. Some of you remember Okinawa in World War II. Most of you remember Okinawa from the from the from the picture or the statue of those guys putting up that flag, you know, on Okinawa. You remember that? What an important battle that was, and what a bloody battle it was. Many of you, though, will not ever have heard of the story which I'm about to tell you. It's a true story, but it doesn't get told very often. Years and years and years before World War II, a single missionary found his way to the island of Okinawa. Spent his life on that island trying to tell people about Jesus. And he was an absolute, utter failure. Except for two old guys well, they weren't old at the time, but, but, but they were just two guys who believed in this Jesus and accepted this Jesus into their hearts, and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. When this missionary died, he just left a Bible and two old guys. I'm sorry, two guys. By the time of World War II, they were old guys, and and when the American soldiers pushed their way across that island. They went through village after village of, of dingy, dirty, uh, squalid uh, scenery. In the, in the villages, they were in the worst shape. One day, they, there was a company pushing its way toward this one village. And and they were all armed and, and because there was much resistance on that island. And they saw several people running out toward them. And, of course, they got their guns ready. But the people were unarmed. And they stopped before the American soldiers and they began shouting something. And finally a translator got up there and translated. And they were shouting, welcome in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, they didn't know what to make of it. Especially this one old war-hardened sergeant that was was leading this group of guys, you know. So carefully they went into the town. Immediately upon entering that village, they noticed the difference. Things were clean. They were well-kept. People were polite. You know, there was a different expression on their face. They began to ask, what had happened here? And these villagers, in a very short time, told them the story about these two men, now old men, that had become leading citizens of that community and bequeathed to the generations of that community the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ the sergeant looked around and he said, wait a minute. He wasn't a believer. He said, let me get this straight. All of this came from one Bible and two old guys that wanted to be like Jesus Christ. They all nodded their heads. He turned to his company and he said, boys, we've been using the wrong weapons. Pray with me. God, thank you for the generations that will come after us. If the Lord tarries, if we have time left on this earth, God, I pray that you will give us all the will and the desire and the passion to transfer to our children, the children of the faith community, what you've given us. God, give us the Holy Spirit together in the same proportion. So that it might be transferred to these children. So that we might overflow. And they might look to this community that is different from all of the rest of the world. To this community who who loves each other and depends on one another. To this community that is more like a, a family than just friends. To this community that loves you with their whole heart and soul and mind and strength. God, thank you. Give us the vision. And give us the energy and the effort for the kids. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.